here's here's one uh, example of something that I do from a habit standpoint. Um, I intentionally seek out activities that create fear in me throughout the year. And the reason I do that is because I want to feel fear and yet push forward anyway. So here's an example that could mean like skydiving or bungee jumping or, you know, swimming with sharks or driving a Formula One car or, you know, for me, these are all things that like are scary as all heck, Uh but I feel that fear and I push forward anyway, because to me, fear is like a muscle. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and today we go behind the scenes with Stu McLaren, our guest from show 558, where we talked about building a tribe. Today, we're here for our habits show, following the seven spokes in the Ziggler wheel of life. Some of the highlights from this show, Stu is a soccer fan, almost always playing on a team or two. Being active with his young kids is a big part of his physical fitness regime. He started eating better for his kids' sake. He's big on managing family time amongst the entrepreneurial lifestyle and is a staunch proponent of rules and boundaries. Mentally, Stu puts a high level of importance on having confidence in ourselves. He believes fear is like a muscle and you must work it out. So he's routinely looking for things to do that stretch his fear muscle. Financially, he loves being an entrepreneur where you can make an unlimited amount of money and feels that the more money we make, the more impact we can have. He and his wife have built 11 schools in Kenya that on average serve four to 700 kids. Personally, he just loves creating experiences and celebrating others' successes. You can connect with Stu and his new tribe offering at zigshow.com slash tribe. And this new launch is going to be significant for helping you grow and connect with your own tribe. Before I dig in with Stu, I want to share some great offers with you. Okay, friends, here then is Stu McLaren and his habits. All right, Stu. Well, after the last show, I've got some insight on the fun that you have in your life to keep yourself healthy. I want to hear more about that, but go through the Ziegler wheel of life, the seven spokes, and really look at these areas and where you've struggled maybe and what you do, what you employ to have as much health as you can in each one. And we'll dive right off the bat into physical. What do you do for your physical health and wellness? Well, the physical part um, has always been one that I absolutely enjoy. You know, I've always been uh, somebody who is has been involved in athletics, you know, specifically soccer. So it's just something that uh, comes natural to me in that sense. But um, I will tell you that after I graduated university, I played soccer at university. We won two national championships. So I was very active there. But after uh, I graduated, things become a little harder, you know, because now you, it's not part of like your daily routine and it's got, um, it's, you've got to make it part of your daily routine. So one of the things that for me that I just stayed to was I just maintained, um, uh, involvement with team sports. Mm-hmm. So I've always been involved in, you know, uh, and played on, you know, one or two or sometimes three, uh, soccer teams. And that's helped me from that physical standpoint. Now there was a period of my time uh, of my life when we were traveling and I, I wasn't involved in a team. And that's when I actually started to pick up running now, mm-hmm. uh, specifically like running out on the trails. So for me, the physical part is pretty simple. I just want to be active, you know, as much as I possibly can. And that typically means three to four times a week. And whether that's playing on team sports and now I play on two uh, particular soccer teams. So that's twice a week. 
And then I, I love going outside and, and running. And I also try now that I've got young kids is trying to be active with them, you know, whether it's swimming in the pool or going for walks or, you know, wrestling on the, you know, at, at home, but I'm always active with them. So that's typically what keeps me uh, physically in check. How about on the nutritional side? Any specific things happening there? Well, truth be told, Kevin, I have not been good on this uh, and I've kind of taken it for granted (laughs) that um, my, the way my body structure is, is that I have never really had to worry about it. But here's the turning point that where we shifted gears. When my wife and I uh, had our first child, our daughter, Marla, we knew that we had to start eating better, not necessarily for our sake, but for her sake. Mm -hmm. And we, the problem was that both of us hated cooking. And so it really uh, was torturous because we would typically, you know, eat fast food or we would eat those like easy to prepare microwavable dinners that like make my stomach want to turn just thinking about them now. Uh And so we knew that we couldn't uh, necessarily get our nutrition in check. And so we actually, uh, we got help. And so I joined a membership site, believe it or not, uh, Mm -hmm. one called the Fresh 20, which um, the promise was fresh, healthy meals in 20 minutes or less. And it walked you through how to do that. And so we subscribed to that for a long time. Now we have another subscription where we get like healthy organic fruits and veggies delivered straight to our door. Um, So we do a lot of things where we either get help or we um, have tools and resources that help us eat on a a much better uh, level than we ever did. So those for us, it's not necessarily been personal discipline. It's more about accessing outside resources to help us in those areas. Can I ask what, uh, what the site is you're using to get stuff delivered to you today? Um, that's a good question. Uh, Amy, do you know, I'm talking to my no, wife no, right do now. It. Um, this is candid. Amy, do you know, um, what the site is that, uh, the fruits and veggies that we get delivered? Uh, okay. Uh, one of them is plan B. Is it plan B.com? We think it's plan B.com. <laughs> All right. Another one is Mama Earth. And then another one that we've used is organicslive.ca, uh, I think it was. Um, but yeah, so those are the companies where we, um, we've we used one or both or all of them at some point in terms of delivering a yeah, box of uh, organic fruits and vegetables every week. Okay, well, there's free advertising for all of them. They can send you a royalty check uh, for that. No, I, yeah. just, I, I do. I, I do similar things. And so I was curious. Well, so on family then, and we talked about family so much, of course, in the first show, and you've got some significant things that have happened. Uh, our team pulled a quote uh, from you that said, to manage your time as an entrepreneurial parent, you need to create rules and boundaries. So I'm guessing that some of your family health resides in that statement. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, I think as entrepreneurs, it's super easy to get caught up um, in the excitement of the business, right? Where we bunker down, it's head down, and you're just working hard and trying to crank things through. But the reality of it is, is that like, we have to be mindful of our family. And uh, for me, that's been a a priority. And so kind of like one of my rules is that uh, I want to be home when they're home. You know, so both my kids now are in school. So, you know, we drop them off. I, that's my responsibility. I'm a drop off parent. So I drop them off in the mornings mm-hmm. uh, around 830. And then they come home. They usually get home like a little after four. And so my goal is to be home by four every day. Now, granted, Kevin, not every day is perfect. I wish it were, but not every day is perfect. But that's kind of like one of those rules that I try to adhere by is that I want to be home when they're home. Because the more time that I'm with them, 
the more I can influence them in a positive, healthy way. And uh, I want to be involved in their lives. I, I want to see them grow up. I want to get to know them and their personalities and see where I can support them and all that good stuff. So that's one of my rules. Another rule for me had to do with travel. Mm-hmm. So um, inevitably, the more success you experience, the more opportunities come your way. And that's really attractive. But at the same time, it can also pull you away from your family. And so one of the things that we've done is we've implemented a rule where I will not be away for more than a three-day period twice a month. So for example, let's say I get invited to speak at a conference. And great, I'm all in to speak at that conference. Well, and I'm going to be away for more than three days. Then let's say that I have a, uh, a mastermind meeting that I also want to go to that would be more than three days away. Well, now that's a conflict uh, with that rule. So what happens? Well, typically when that happens, one of two things take place. I either say no to one of those two things and I stay home. And that's happened a lot where I've had to say no to some things that I would absolutely would have loved to have done, but um, it violated that rule. So I didn't go. Or the second thing is that I bring Amy and the kids with me. Mm -hmm. And so we've taken them out of school. And in fact, you and I are talking right now, we're in Costa Rica, um, where we are uh, traveling as a family. And we do that often. But that helps me adhere to that rule where we're still connected, we're still together. So I, for me, it's really important that I'm home when they're home. And and that includes both on the regular workday and also when we travel. So that's why one of our rules is that I'm never away more than three days twice a month. Great, great rule. So next one, mental. Uh, And I'm curious on this one. Again, my team pulled another quote. You talked a little bit about it in regards to business and membership sites in the last show. But you said, uh, when you get clear on the why, it adds a whole other level of motivation. So as we look at, you know, the mental aspect, what you do, I assume obviously having clarity on your motive has got to be high for you. But what do you do to keep yourself just the mental edge? Well, this is, um, you know, as, as leaders and as entrepreneurs, um, this is probably one of the most important areas for all of us because this is about like maintaining our level of confidence mm-hmm. in ourselves. And I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. Like for me, if, if there were one, you know, one thing that I could pass on to my kids, it would be the ability to develop and nurture their own confidence in their own abilities. Because I just think that when you have confidence in your own abilities, um, it opens up doors and, and, and opportunities that would never be open to you um, beyond that. And so here's, here's one uh, example of something that I do from a habit standpoint. Um, I intentionally seek out activities that create fear in me throughout the year. And the reason I do that is because I want to feel fear and yet push forward anyway. So here's an example that could mean like skydiving or bungee jumping or, you know, swimming with sharks or driving a Formula One car or, you know, for me, these are all things that like are scary as all heck, Uh but I feel that fear and I push forward anyway, because to me, fear is like a muscle. It, you know, and, uh, inevitably we're going to face all kinds of challenges in our lives and in our business. And in, and when we're doing things that are not normal, when we're doing things that are, you know, push our personal boundaries, we're going to feel fear in those moments. And unless you know how to uh, navigate that fear, 
you're never going to make forward progress. So for me, it's one of those mental check-in points that every single year I'm seeking out those kinds of activities because I want to remind myself of that fear. I want to push uh, through it anyway, because when I feel that fear in my business, I want it to become a habit of feel it and push through it, feel it and push through it. So that's one of the things that uh, keeps me on my game. And in fact, uh, Kevin, this was uh, hilarious. I, I mentioned we're here in Costa Rica and we went zip lining as a family. So I, I literally, we took our four-year-old and our six-year-old zip lining and partway through the zip lining experience, they, we stop and there's this thing they call the Tarzan swing. And long story short, we're up like high on this canyon. And the way it works is like they have this kind of like a ladder uh, or platform, if you will, that's hanging out over this canyon. And they strap you in on the waist. They open the gate and you literally fall and like free fall and then swing way out. Mm -hmm. And so they said to us, this is optional. You know, do you want to do it? And I'm looking at it like, man, this is, this is pretty high. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And my daughter, my six-year-old daughter, she's like, I'm doing it. <laughs> I was like, what? Beautiful. And, and then and I'm like, okay, well, if she's doing it, then I'm likely going to have to go first uh-huh. to show her how to do it. And, uh, and so the guide says, okay, so uh, who wants to go first? And she's like, me. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So they literally strap her in. She steps up to the gate and boom, she's gone. And I was just like, wow, this was so amazing. And then, of course, like, it's my turn next. And dude, I stepped up to that thing and I would, my legs were shaking. Like it was so high, but that was another example. Like recently where again, I was scared. Um, I, I couldn't have my six-year-old daughter, you know, one up me on that one. So I had to, had to do it. But uh, nonetheless, I, I love feeling fear and pushing through it anyway. I like the topic or, or the quote that you said, fear is like a muscle. I have not thought about that before. Good, good quote and good focal point. This next one's financial. And again, my team went out and, and gave me some stuff and they talked about that you're, t- I guess, a testimony from you. You've lived in places of extreme wealth and extreme poverty. And then I matched it though with another quote they gave me that said, the more money we make, the more impact we have. So uh, you can comment on either of those, but then also just tell us what you've done to keep your financial well-being in check. Well, listen, um, as entrepreneurs, um, I believe that we have the greatest opportunity in the world because there's no limits on the amount of money that we can make. And for a long time, Kevin, I used to feel really guilty about making money. I've got to, you know, uh, and it held me back. Like there were periods in my career, in my early career, where I was making great money. You know, I was making anywhere between three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars a year. But I would get to that point, and I would start to feel tremendously guilty. And a lot of it came back to my upbringing. You know, like I was making more than both my parents combined, and it was weird. Like it felt like I, I don't know whether it wasn't worthy enough or like something you know, there was something happening on a subconscious level that was literally holding me back because as soon as I'd get to that level, I'd start self-sabotaging my own success. I wouldn't call clients back. I wouldn't do the things that, you know, had got me the success and I knew to do. And it was awful. And so it was almost like a reset. Every time I'd get to a certain level, I'd reset back down. And, and, uh, and then, uh, it was the turning point for me was the very first time that we were in Kenya and we were looking to build our first school. My wife and I are there and we're talking to the chairman of this community and we're asking like, how much does it cost to build a school and do all these things? And so I said to the chairman, I said, how much does it cost to fund the full-time salary of a teacher? And he thought for a moment and he said, uh, it's, it's about a hundred dollars a month. 
And at the time, I was selling our wishlist software for $100. And so I made this connection. Okay, if I sell one more license of wishlist member and I just dedicate it to covering the salary of this teacher, like imagine the impact that I could have on this community. And then the real light bulb went off, which was, wait a minute, Stu, what if you make a whole lot more money and dedicate a whole lot more to helping the people that you're uh, passionate about? Imagine the impact you could have then. And it was a turning point for me, Kevin, because at that moment, I realized the more money I make, the more impact I could have. It's an honorable thing to make money because at that point when you've made it, you can then uh, direct it to any person or cause that you want. And so for me, I started to get inspired by people who were making a lot of money, but were contributing in a very healthy way to causes that they were passionate about. And I realized that this is the real opportunity. This is the real reason why I love being an entrepreneur is that it's not a selfish endeavor to make money. In fact, more than anything, it gives us the ability to help more people. And on the flip side of that, you know, running a nonprofit with my wife, I can tell you there is no uh, better resource that you can give any nonprofit than money. Because the reality of it is, is that time we only have so much of. It's not a leveraged asset. Money, however, is the most leveraged asset and can create so much more good than anything else. And so as entrepreneurs, that's why I love to help people make more money because I believe the more money we make, the more impact we can have. So from a financial standpoint, that's really where my strength is. I doubled down my focus on being able to make more money. And that's come from mastering my skills in marketing and sales and so forth, because I truly believe that, that the, you know, uh, that it's my responsibility to make more money and therefore I can give more. Now, admittedly though, on the back end of that, um, I am not good at managing finances. I'm good at making it. I'm good at shaking the money tree, if you will, but I'm not good at managing it. And that's why I have people in place to help me with that side of things because it's not my area of strength. And so I default that responsibility to people whose strength that is. That's our accountants. That's my financial advisor. That's even my wife, you know, who helps keep us on track on that side of things. So that from that standpoint, we've implemented systems that automatically invest for us mm-hmm. um, so that it's not something, it's not a habit that I have to develop because it's not my area of strength, but it's something that happens automatically. So we have all kinds of investments that happen automatically. Every single month, money gets taken out and invested where it needs to invest. We meet with our accountant and financial advisors every quarter to go through um, the, the reports and, and to see what's happening and to keep us on track. And so from that standpoint, what I would say is if it's not your area of strength, that's no problem, but just make sure that you uh, have somebody helping you whose strength it is so that you can uh, continue to grow financially. Hey, can I ask you to name real quick your uh, or, or speak to your nonprofits as far as URLs where people can go get involved if they would like to? Yeah, so our uh, nonprofit is worldteacheraid.org. So worldteacheraid.org. And yeah, well, I'm super proud of what we've been able to do. It's, you know, and it's all been fueled and funded by uh, entrepreneurs who, you know, believe in helping others with the money that they're making in their business. And so we've opened 11 schools now. Uh, each school has anywhere between 400 to 700 kids. And uh, it's just, it's an absolute joy because uh, when you talk about living in areas of poverty, every year we go over there. And we go and we live in the communities. We see the people who's, uh, who uh, we are helping with the schools that we're building. And it's just an, 
an amazing reset. It's an amazing reset on life and perspective and all of that. And so it, uh, it makes me tremendously grateful for all the things that we do have. That's incredible. Okay, folks. So again, it's worldteacheraid.org. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Next one is spiritual, a spiritual spoke, that side of your life. What is happening with you in that spoke? For me, that's about surrounding yourself with people who share the same philosophies and values and priorities. And, you know, oftentimes it's easy to get uh, pulled sideways uh, when it comes to uh, the spiritual side of things. If we are not around the people who believe uh, similar um, beliefs and have similar values. And so more than anything, I would say that's, that's the important bit for me is surrounding myself with people who keep that side of me in check. And I've been very, very uh, fortunate to be in uh, great groups, small groups of people uh, who share those same values of similar values. And uh, we all keep each other in check. So that's probably my biggest practice in terms of that. Got it. All right. Career. And obviously you've had a varied career and, uh, and, and highs and variety. So on that though, as you look forward, I bet you have some parameters that you judge your opportunities on and know where you want your business to go. Tell us a little bit about that spoke. Yeah, well, not always, because in the beginning, like you're like this, you know, I don't know about you, Kevin, but when I started my business, I was like this young, hungry entrepreneur. And I was just, I was just, I couldn't believe it that somebody would actually pay me a dollar for one of my ideas, you know? And so yeah. uh, I was taking any business that I could get. Well, now, like the more success you experience, we, as we talked about, the more opportunities come your way and you just don't have time for everything. And it's yeah. probably the biggest battle is trying to decide what to say yes to and what to say no to. Because when you say yes to something, you're ultimately saying no to something else. And that's that's a real challenge sometimes. So nowadays, um, I have uh, business partners who are amazing uh, individuals who we all have discussions around, okay, does this make sense for us? And does it make sense for us right now? Because oftentimes there's been great ideas um, and we have said, this is an amazing idea. Absolutely makes sense for the business, but it doesn't make sense for us right now. And so when, it, as it relates to what we say yes to, um, more often than not, we want to make sure that it's building on top of momentum that we have already gained in our business. Mm. So we don't like starting new projects or new ideas that don't give us the ability to leverage the momentum that we've already got. So if it doesn't make sense for our existing customer base, it's likely not going to be something that we're going to pursue, especially right now. And so that's an almost a, a very easy litmus test for us. Yeah. And then secondarily is in terms of resources, like what resources is it going to take? You know, right now, for example, we met this weekend uh, with somebody that we're absolutely going to pursue a, uh, um, a great partnership with because number one, it meets that litmus test. It's a, an absolute needed service for our market and we're excited to bring it to them. But the second part of that is that it's not going to require a huge amount of resources from our team. And so that is a huge, uh, is a great factor as well. And and then the third one is the profitability. Does it add profits to the business? Because at, at the end of the day, that's what we're in it for. Because again, the more money we make, the more impact we can have. So, you know, is it going to help us generate revenue 
um, for the business. And I always like, this might be the paranoid entrepreneur in me, but I always like to, my uh, litmus test is, will it help us cover our operating expenses in year one? Hmm. So like, I'm always looking for more and more revenue channels, if you will, that would cover our operating expenses. So that like worst case scenario, like every, everything's always covered, you know what I mean? And um, so that's why I love recurring revenue and subscription revenue because uh, that by nature uh, in and of itself um, helps you build uh, um, stability in the business and, and so forth. And so that's one of our goals this year is to introduce a multiple recurring revenue streams, additional multiple recurring revenue streams into the business because it helps provide that stability. So for us, those are some of the litmus tests that we look at in terms of new projects. But here's the thing that I would say, when I was starting my career, I there is no way that I would have been able to say, okay, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, I'm going to be doing this. Like there's no way that I even knew what I'm doing now was even a reality or possibility or even an option. But what I would say is that like most important is you got to keep moving forward. You know, so many times people aren't willing to explore and investigate and try and, and, uh, and ask. And what I would say is like, you just never know until you start putting your foot forward. So here's an example. When I graduated university, I had gotten my honors business degree and I loved sports. And I thought to myself, like, I wonder if there's any careers in uh, sports and business, specifically marketing, because I love marketing. So I went to Google and I typed in sports plus marketing. I discovered there's like a whole industry around sports marketing. And so I explore it some more and I find this company in Toronto that's a sports marketing company. So I, I, I um, contact them and they've got internships. So I do an internship. And for me at that point, I just discovered that that wasn't quite what I wanted to do, but it got me on track mm-hmm. to the few things that I did want to do. And so I would just say to everybody, like, even if you don't know exactly what you want to do or what the next logical step is for your career, start exploring, start investigating, start taking that next step forward because it inevitably will lead to something else. That's inspiring. All right, man. Last spoke here is personal. And this is the stuff. This is joy. This is what you just do for you. For me, um, this is experiences. I love, love, love creating experiences. And uh, whether the experience is going on an amazing adventure with our kids and with our family, whether the experience is, um, you know, creating giggles and laughter at home, uh, whether the experience is creating a surprise for a loved one or even your customers and, and, uh, and members of your site. I just love creating experiences. That's what brings me joy. And then I, the second thing that I would say is I love celebrating others. Like this has become a real uh, passion of mine, Kevin, is just celebrating the success of others and sharing their stories because I know that their stories inspire other people. You know, we all see ourselves in other people. And when we see that somebody else like us has done something that we want to do, it creates the belief that it's possible. And when you have that belief, that's when that confidence begins to build because you realize like, hey, if they can do it, I can do it too. And so I absolutely have fallen in love with sharing the stories and Hmm. it's become a core part of our business. We call it the circle of awesomeness. We know that like, soon as a, a, a sale is made, that's the top part of the circle. The next step on the circle to the right is that our job is to help our clients and customers get a result. And those results could be big and they can be small and everything in between. But we 
absolutely are in the business of helping our clients uh, get a result and make progress in their life. And because when we do that, the next uh, part of that whole circle is we then have a great story. And when you've got a great story, the next part is sharing that story because by through sharing that story, you're going to generate a lot more sales. And so it's this whole circle of awesomeness and it all revolves around helping our clients get results and sharing their stories. And so I've fallen in love with it and that's what brings me joy on the business side. And then joy on the, on the personal side is just having fun with family and friends, uh, creating, surprising and delighting the people that we love and, uh, and then giving. And, and uh, you know, this is why Amy and I, uh, the charity is a big part of what we do. And we just love, love, love to be able to go and help people who may or may never even have the opportunity to uh, give back to somebody in their life. But for us, it just, it, it's almost like a stewardship. It just, it, mm-hmm. it feels like the right thing to do with the gifts and the talents that we've been given. And that's why it's a, it's a huge focus and it's, it brings tremendous joy. And we, so we go to uh, Kenya every year and we immerse ourselves in the communities that we support and we help. And we, uh, we've got great relationships with these people. And they've uh, become a, an amazing part of our lives. So that's for me on the personal side is, um, you know, whether it's uh, the joy with our family and experiences um, or uh, the stories, celebrating the stories of our clients and customers on the business side or on the charity side, you know, immersing ourselves in the communities that we help. And thank you. I don't know that I, again, has smiled as much on the podcast <laughs> as I have on this and just appreciate you sharing openly your own gifts and talents. And uh, it's incredibly inspiring, I think, to, to me and I know to the audience too, to take their gifts, take their talents and go be good stewards of them, as you mentioned. Stu, thanks so much for being here with us today. Buddy, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for everybody that's listening. Well, friends, there is definitely some golden inspiration for you, and I'm certain you are more motivated now than when you started this podcast. Again, connect with Stu and what he's got going on with his new launch at zigshow.com slash tribe. Hey, if you got value in this show, please let us know. Leave us a review in iTunes. It's the best way to help other people find us. And if you do, we would love to thank you. Literally, if you will leave a review and then email us at thanks at ZigglerShow.com and tell us what username you left the review under, we want to send you Zig Ziglar and Tom Ziglar's book, Born to Win, an actual hard copy. Again, just email us at thanks at ZigglerShow.com and tell us you left an iTunes review. Well, coming up next in show 560, we bring you Larry North. In 1981, Larry started his first business at the age of 20. His media career started shortly after that by arriving on a talk radio show where he performed for over 25 years. It wasn't long after that that his best-selling infomercial became one of the most popular weight loss infomercials ever. Three books, a chain of health clubs, thousands of TV appearances, and live presentations later, here and abroad, have turned Larry North into a household name in fitness, weight loss, and health. Well, he continues to spread his motivational message and wisdom to so many Fortune 500 companies and just about anyone who will listen, like us. It'll make you laugh, he'll touch your heart, and more importantly, connect with you in a way that makes you want to change your body and change your life. Well, folks, till then... Thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.